Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, you'll be listening to PSY 342, Psychology of the Exceptional Child. I hope you listen and enjoy. Hey guys, this is Psych 342. We're going to do um, class four this week, and we're looking today at the chapter on emotional and behavioral disorders. Um, so that's our focus for today, and we're going to look at um, this area, the different terminology. We're going to define what an emotional behavioral disorder is and look at the different classifications, um, some of the causes, how we identify, and the different characteristics that we would expect to see. So our overall objectives today are to define um, the emotional and behavioral disorders for you let you know what the dimensions of behavior would be that are involved with this kind of disorder, um, characteristics, and um, the role of poverty as a risk factor, and then look at the different behavioral supports that exist, particularly the positive ones. Our scripture for this week would be Proverbs 22.6 and Psalm 34.18. All right, so our chapter is Emotional and Behavioral Disorders and those with those disorders. All right, so when we look at terminology, the um, Individuals with Disability Act idea uses the term emotionally disturbed. Um, other individuals, the Council for Exceptional Children, I'm a member of that council, and other professionals actually prefer the term behaviorally disordered. Um, IDEA does the assumption that if you are having behavior problems, it is because you have emotional issues. Um, so you would only act out in that case. Behavioral disorders, the people that use that term go, you're not necessarily emotionally disturbed if your behavior is disturbed. It's just a different way of looking at things. Um, but when you look at the National Mental Health and Special Ed Coalition, they came up with the term emotional or behavior disorder so that it kind of looks at both. Um, they didn't kick that in until about 1990. And right now, that's the more accepted terminology um, where it just gives you, you could go either way um, with this. Right, so we're going to look at the federal definition right now, and this is how they word it uh, under IDEA. It is a condition, and note it says one or more of the following characteristics. So you have to have at least one of the things that are listed over a long period of time. Now, for an adult, that would be about a year. For a child, we would go with more like six months because they usually, again, their lifespan isn't as long. So their long period of time is a little bit less. A marked degree, so that's a little subjective um, as to whether you would see it or not. And then the phrase that we always see in our definition, it adversely affects a child's educational performance. All right, so this child's behavior is causing them not to do well in school. Now, if they've got bad behavior and they're making good grades, we aren't interested in giving them a diagnosis. They're just a troublemaker, all right? And all we got to do is kind of straighten them up. Um, this has got to be causing problems in your schoolwork in order to get that definition. All right, so here's one of the characteristics. All right, you have a child who cannot learn, and there's no other reason. They do not have um, 
intellectual disabilities there's no vision problem there's no hearing problem we don't we just don't know why all right they don't seem to fit completely a learning disability characteristic now there's a lot of overlap all right with ld and emotional problems as we mentioned last week but we don't think there's an actual you know brain issue learning disability here they're just not learning. All right. They're not having good peer relationships. They just don't get along with other kids their age well. Uh, if you've got even one friend, you don't meet this. Right? So you don't need many, but one is enough. Now, they may do well with their parents. They may do well with their teachers. Right? But when it comes to people their own age, they aren't having good relationships. All right. Now, we're here we're seeing inappropriate behavior or feelings under what would be what we call normal conditions. So this may be a kid who just suddenly starts crying. And we have no idea why. Right? And they seem very sad as a feeling. We don't know of anything. You know, like nobody hit them. They hadn't had somebody die in their family. There's no good reason. And they just break into tears. Um, or, you know, they go up and punch somebody. And that would be a bad behavior. And we have no idea why they just did that. All right, so nothing has seemingly been an antecedent for these things. Um, overall, we got a child who is very, very, very sad, right, showing signs of depression. This is not typical of children um, who are under the age of 10 or 11. Once your hormones kick in, sometimes you do see a good bit of depression with individuals, but this is not typical for a younger child, all right, to, to show any of this. They're usually very happy. And we may see some physical symptoms or some fears. Now, the type of symptoms we normally are going to start to see when you start to get really upset, people tend to hold their stress um, in different places. So a child, it's a stomach ache. A lot of times they'll start to have stomach issues, um, possibly a bad headache. Um, adults have those same two, but they also add in that tension in the back of the neck and the upper shoulders and begin to have some physical symptoms there. Um, some of these kids have fear of going to school. They're worried about being bullied or they're worried something bad will happen at home um, and they're not there to, to, you know, what they think would be controlling that situation. And so you'll see that kind of thing. They're just very fearful. So um, we also are going to see that the federal definition is going to exclude the term social maladjustment. All right, maladjustment is what we used to kind of call uh, juvenile delinquency. Y'all may have heard that term. And some folks call it conduct disorder aggressive. And your conduct disordered kids are those kind of in the range. They usually start with um, oppositional defiant disorder where they're just saying, no, I won't do it. You can't make me. Um, and that'll go up to about 10. And then they may turn into conduct disorder. And that would be up to about 18. Um, after 18, they might become antisocial personality disorder. Um, some of these kids are very disruptive. They're very antisocial. There's a lot of, like, you know, um, graffiti, um, you know, fires, things like that. And that's social maladjustment. And we don't consider that. Anything that happens outside of school is not something that they have to report to the school. Now, if there's a behavior problem at school, we call the police and we tell them. All right, police does not have to tell the school anything. 
Um, so there's another definition that the National Mental Health and Special Education Coalition came up with, and they, remember, use that term behavioral and emotional disability, um, a disability characterized by either behavioral or emotional responses that are going to cause the child to struggle in the classroom. All right, so think about this for a sec. At some point in your life, you've probably been really upset about something. And you know when you're upset, you can't concentrate. All right, I have myself read a page in a book like 20 times and realized I'm not getting a thing out of it because I can't focus because I'm upset. All right, and you got a kid who's having some emotional stuff, and they'll do that. But if you're acting out, you know, and really cutting up in the classroom in a bad way, um, you're obviously not paying attention. All right, so that's going to affect your educational performance as well. Um, they know that there are multiple disabilities. This is not all the same thing, right? Kids are different in how they manifest and why they have the behaviors they have. And so there's a lot of different kinds of things that are going to fit under this category. And they don't use exclusions, all right? You know, the federal definition did exclude social maladjustment. This definition does not. But obviously, if we're in a school setting, we have to use the federal definition. All right, so current definitions are kind of looking at things like the behavior. All right, if the behavior is extreme in any way, we get kind of concerned about this. And behavior can go extreme in different ways. Uh, we'll talk about that a little further. The, the problem, though, is a chronic problem and means that's long-lasting. Right, anybody can have a bad day. Y'all probably had one, and you were embarrassed by your behavior. All right, I've done it. You've done it. We all do it. All right, we have a day where we snap at somebody, and we are so sorry later. We think that was just awful. We shouldn't have done that. Um, but it's a kind of a one-time thing, right, just when you're very, very, very tired. Right, this is chronic. This happens all the time over and over and over again, and the behaviors tend to be very, very similar. Um, it is unacceptable behavior for whatever it might be, usually because of what we tend to expect in society as being the standard. Right, so clearly, you just don't go up to a stranger and slap them in the face. That would be a, a very unacceptable thing based on what we expect in our day-to-day -day society. All right, so we want to get kind of this concept here of what is disturbed versus what is disturbing. All right, we are talking about disturbed behavior. All right, so going up and slapping somebody in the face would be disturbed. All right, we're very concerned about it. There are other behaviors that disturb us. We call those disturbing behaviors. I might not like it if I'm sitting next to somebody and they're chewing gum and smacking it, and I would find that disturbing. But it is not disturbed or disordered kind of behavior. All right, it's just bothering me because maybe I'm not feeling very patient today. So when we're dealing with this, we have to really look at that um, delineation and make sure we're talking about only behaviors that are disturbed. We have some dimensions that we really need to look at when we're talking about the different definitions of disorders that are emotionally or behaviorally um, 
in their focus. All right, one is looking at how often does something occur. So we're going to measure the frequency of a behavior. And oftentimes this is done through observation. You'll send that school psychologist in to observe the kids like we did with LD and, and ADHD. And we're counting this thing. Okay, so let's say we got a kid who says a bad word at school. All right, and it only happens once. I'm not really that worried about them. If they say 65 bad words in two hours, I've gotten a little concerned, all right, because it's too frequent. And so we're sitting there counting it, really, to see how often it occurs. And that could be a sign that we've got a problem. Another thing to look at is the intensity of behavior. Again, if they just said a bad word and they kind of muttered it under their breath, well, you're almost not sure that you heard it. That's a low intensity level. And again, not too concerned. If they are screaming this behavior, this word at the top of their lungs, that's an intense behavior. And just because it is so intense, I've gotten concerned. All right, so again, a little trip of somebody, probably not too worried about them. Somebody really punches you to where you fall down, I'm concerned it's intense. Another thing is how long does the behavior last? So we're looking at this duration, right? A little small two-second kind of thing. I'm going to let that go. If they throw a temper tantrum that lasts for 35 minutes, that's a long duration. And I'm now very, very concerned about what's going on. And the fourth thing is whether it's appropriate for the particular age that the child happens to be. All right, so we're going to use crime. All right, if I have a kindergarten class and it's the first day of school, they're all going to cry. Some of their parents cry when they bring them. That's appropriate, really. If they get hurt at school, they cry. I got a friend who's a kindergarten teacher. I've told you all about her. Everybody cries. All right, she's used to it. That's normal for five-year-olds. They do cry when they get upset. All right, you're teaching high school. They better not be crying. All right, that's not cool if you're that age, and it is completely inappropriate to cry in class. And if you are going to get upset and cry, most people know, hold it together, take myself to the you know restroom and cry in there, and then I'll get it together and come back. All right, but you're really looking at, you know, would you expect other people this age to do this behavior? And if you don't, um, then we're getting concerned about it. So you note that it could be any one of those, could be all of those, but we do have to look at all of those dimensions when we're trying to decide if this behavior is considered disturbed.